We're joined on the line now by Andy Payne, who uh, is something of a, a brother in arms uh, for us in the independent media world. Thanks so much uh, for joining us today, Andy. Thanks, as always, Alex, for having me. Now, you've got a, a different uh, hat on today. Uh, you know, you are, of course, an independent uh, journalist and an activist as well, and uh, long been involved in. Uh, anti-war activity amongst other things. Now, uh, something coming up in Brisbane next month is the uh, Land Forces uh, Expo. I was just having a look on the uh, the, the Expo's website, Andy, and it looks, I mean, it looks innocuous enough. It says Land Forces is the region's premier biennial international land defence exposition, attracting more than 700 Australian and international companies in 2021. Be a key meeting hub for Australian international industry, defence, academia, and government. Uh, and this last line is what caught my eye: uh, meeting hub for Australian international industry, defence, academia, and government. As the Australian Army implements the most substantial period of recapitalisation and optimisation since the Second World War. Uh, that's sort of pretty sobering words there at the end. I guess gives a clue, doesn't it, uh, as to why there needs to be protests at this event. But just going back a step, explain what what this uh, land forces you know expo is you know is all about, and and why there is a need to, to protest it. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes it's hard to figure it out just on that website. You have to dig through the layers of um, euphemisms and <laughs> obfuscation to to get to the fact that it's a weapons expo, actually land forces, and so. It is the biggest weapons expo in the Southern Hemisphere. Happens biannually, although uh, it did happen last year in Brisbane as well because it had been put off because of COVID. But um, it basically is over 600 companies, some of the biggest weapons companies in the world, your uh, BAE, Lockheed Martin, um, Boeing, uh, ones like that. It's down to small contractors, um, you know, PR firms that are trying to get a contract with some of these companies, everything, like everything along the, um, the trail of selling weapons. And uh, there'll be plenty of governments as well coming. It talks about it being in the Asia-Pacific region, but there'll surely be representatives from um, other nations as well and the militaries. And so basically Land Forces is uh, a big trade fair for people that are in the business of making weapons um, and organising warfare. And, of course, the other side of it is all the money that gets spent ultimately is our money from the taxpayers of the world when uh, the buyers are going to be governments in the long haul. It's us that's paying, that's buying all these things as the, um, you know, bigwigs of these companies and some of the government and military um, people come and schmooze and do their sales pitches and all this. It's us that pays the price. Now, in 2018, the then Morrison government released the Defence Export Strategy, and uh, I quote from that uh, strategic review uh, where the government said, quote, the Defence Export Strategy builds upon the Australian government's defence industry policy by setting out a comprehensive system to plan, guide and measure defence export outcomes. The government recognises that Australian industry cannot sustain itself, blah, blah, blah. It goes on with uh, this kind of PR uh, innocuous sounding jargon that we were talking about uh, with the Land Forces Export uh, Expo website as well. Anyway, it then goes on to say the strategic review that the aim is to, quote, grow Australia's defence industry to become a top 10 
global defence exporter. And indeed, the government was true to its word because in 2019-20, the, uh, the volume of Australian arms experts, exports was $5 billion. Uh, and, and they're hoping to maintain it at $2.5 billion a year in exports around the world. Tell us a little bit, Andy, about you know some of the countries that Australia does sell arms to. I know that on your own, own show you, you covered uh, Australia's participation in, in war crimes in West Papua, for instance. Australia's up to its neck in it there, up to its neck in criminal activity there. It also has sold arms to Saudi Arabia, who uh, has besieged the people of Yemen and, and really starved to death many thousands of people in Yemen. So Australia doesn't exactly have clean hands in this industry, does it? No, that's right, and. It's one of those things, defence exports, is that politicians absolutely love it because they can talk about jobs and I think it's, you know, the big toys, right, of the guns that appeals to something um, very deeply rooted in our society, the love of the, the heroism of war. And so politicians absolutely love any announcement they can do around a defence export. Um, but, yeah, I mean, one of the things is when we talk about what kind of jobs do we want... Um, and what's the end result? Like the making weapons is not the most productive thing that we could be doing with all the immense amount of skill and labour and time that people in Australia have. And so that's one side. The other side, as you say, is that, yeah, where do these weapons end up? And a lot of them end up being totally useless and just being a waste of huge amounts of money and energy, actually, as they sit in um, storehouses around the world not being used. But the ones that do get used is extremely problematic, as you say. And that's one of the things that we've been trying to highlight at Land Force is where do these weapons end up? And there has been uh, investigations that have found Saudi Arabia buying Australian-made arms to use in Yemen. Um, many civilians died in that war. Uh, Israel, you know, we have in Brisbane here, we've got um, a company, Elbit Systems, where in a few days, we'll be uh, doing a little protest there, um, you know, weapons used in the occupation of Palestine by Israel. And one of the big ones that we're talking about here is Indonesia's occupation of West Papua, which is ever-expanding. And um, at the moment, they're trying to build a, a highway from one end of West Papua to another to basically open up a lot of these jungle areas for more exploitation, resource exploitation, more settlement of Indonesian people and more... Um, moving West Papuan people off their land. And all this is enforced by the Indonesian military, but to whom Australia offers uh, strategic assistance, but also uh, Australian companies sell weapons made in this country and in our city of Brisbane to Indonesia uh, to be used in that occupation. And so that's, we'll have West Papuan speakers coming up to land forces to talk about what's happening there. And we'll be highlighting companies like Tales and Ryan Mattal in particular, who have factories in Brisbane, who will have be on the showroom at Land Forces, and who are sending those weapons to be part of the dispossession of West Papuan people. Now, of course, there are many, many reasons to join uh, the protest uh, at, at the Land Forces uh, Expo uh, next month in, in Brisbane. We'll give you the, the details uh, of, of those protests, uh, you know, to check out the, the, the website and, and get involved if you're in Brisbane town around that uh, around that time. But, I mean, one dimension of this, uh, Andy, I don't know how much, you know, you're across the detail of, of this uh, aspect of things. It's just the grotesque corruption involved. I mean, there's the weapons industry itself, which, as you say, is wasteful and, and you know, it's the most harmful, obviously destructive industry uh, and known to humanity uh, causes wars and death and suffering 
uh, and the privations of, of millions of people. But there's also this, this element of corruption. With, so, for instance, we see this revolving door of politicians joining uh, arms companies. So, for instance, former Liberal Defence Minister Christo, Christopher Pine joined the board of arms uh, company NIOA. Uh, Brendan Nelson, also a former Liberal Defence Minister, uh, became the president of Boeing. Uh, former Labor Senators Kate Lundy and David Feeney were board members of Electro Optic Systems. And uh, a former Labor leader, Kim Beasley, uh, was on the board of Lockheed Martin at one point. So there's just that aspect, that aspect as well. We're talking about you know billions and billions of dollars of taxpayers' money, and often it's sort of glad-handing and commissions and you know corrupt money being passed from and there's politicians going into the boardrooms of these arms companies. So it's sort of a grubby, dirty, you know, corrupt industry on top of everything else, isn't it? Yeah, we're really trying to highlight that. Last year at Land Forces, we saw both Christopher Pine and Brendan Nelson there. Um, and whenever, you know, we had a presence there, whenever we saw them walking in, we'd make sure to point out, you know, that they shouldn't have been there, that, you know, you're elected as a politician and appointed as a minister to represent the interests of Australian people. And then you walk straight out of that job and onto a cushy board position at an arms company who were previously, you know, selling you products. You were their customer. And uh, very clear that they haven't been um, entirely there for the interests of Australian people. And it's a very serious problem, not just with politicians, but with some of the top brass in the military as well, um, moving into these positions in these arms companies. And it's just um, something that's, you know, endemic in Australia, in other industries as well, but in the defence industry, and it, it should just be completely stopped. It'd be very easy to wipe it out, say that you can't move from a position of public responsibility into a uh, private realm of the conflict of interest, but it, this is what makes our political system go around, you know, these kind of uh, revolving doors and mates deals and things like that. And so, yeah, we're trying to highlight that as well. I think the fact that it's not, it, it, it barely goes even mentioned in the mainstream press, it's just kind of thought of as normal. It's not even seen as corruption, which I think tells us a lot about the degradation of our public culture that it's, oh, well, that's just normal. They're getting, a, getting quote, a job in the private sector. In the private sector, of course, it's, it's no normal job. It's a job where you use your political influence to, uh, you know, to get contracts for that company. It's a disgusting a disgusting business. Uh, Andy, we'll, we'll finish on uh, finish on this note, which is the, the protest itself. I mean, it's, you know, obviously we've had two years of COVID and there is real crackdowns on protests during that period. We could cite a number of examples and it's one of those protests where I'm sure the police, let's say, um, aren't necessarily going to be friendly to any attempts to, you know, to blockade this uh, this conference and the participants from, from getting in there and, and uh, making these these grubby deals with arms uh, contractors. How are you uh, anticipating or in terms of the police response and how the protest is, is, is going to go? Yeah, well, last year I think we uh, caught the police a bit by surprise. We had uh, quite a large presence and uh, we managed to get through, you know, all these places that are getting um, defence and security contracts. We managed to infiltrate the thing a few times and uh, we had people jumping up on tops of tanks with banners inside on the display room and things like that as well as a presence outside and so we um we really uh claimed that as a victory last time that we had just completely dominated the media coverage around land forces and um had uh really stopped their attempts to just have this you know private schmooze and instead we got it all the news was about protests and things like that and so uh we'll hope to do something like that again i'm sure there'll be a bit more um, the police will be a bit more ready for us this time. But, yeah, we we want to make it as unpleasant and as difficult to organise land forces as we can and just um, 
make it, you know, a lot of public money from the Queensland state government goes into this event being happening in Queensland. And we just want, we think that we can possibly make it difficult enough to organise so that they just think it's not worth it. And so that's sort of our strategy. And so there'll be lots of ways that we'll try to do that. We'll have a, a presence there and um, we'll have a few surprises in store for them, hopefully, and uh, maybe stopping a few things loading in. But also it's really important to, to gather together um, those of us who, who don't want, who are interested in peace, gather together, um, share skills, uh, skill up, have a, a community of resistance while we're there and, um, you know, try to work out how we can organise to resist militarism and organise for a better world.